0: Burn out. Burn out raising tiny humans is
1: exhausting I like this a is, little this, this is like a
2: prophecy for you mm. I know
1: well I already know the growing one
2: is exhausting yeah. so oh you have no idea because now you get to sleep when you want
1: <laughs> kind of
2: yeah for the most part it's starting to get uncomfortable though we need to put Stephanie through baby boot camp. Hold on. You no, said it's already
0: near uncomfortable. Full disclosure. like I woke, I got out of bed this morning uh, at five, a little before 5 a.m. To go to actually take a bath this morning. It was really nice. That's weird. Wow. And then, I don't know, it it's just
2: happened. To I, okay, how when, do you when, even I, fit in a bathtub? <laughs> when I where, left. Where, no, where do they make a PRD size bathtub? <laughs> uh, yeah. When I left the bathroom, when
3: I <laughs> left their so bedroom,
0: my three-year-old daughter was laying on top of Lindy's head and pillow like a cat would, like a <laughs> inappropriate, like you know, like a cat that you're like too much in my business. Yeah, I'm just
2: telling you. Yeah.
1: Oh, I believe that it will get more inconvenient <clears throat> and more uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. For
2: those of you who are listening, we are Justin and I are thinking about putting Stephanie through baby boot camp <laughs> yeah. to prepare think, her for the rigors of child rearing. <laughs> I've
1: spent enough time with the party kids. That's I have true. been yeah, through yeah, some boot camp. That. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know yeah. that
2: your kid is going to be ex- as excitable not. as the PRDs.
1: <laughs> I, I hope not.
0: Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Debrief a weekly QA and a show, uh, where every single week, Pastor Matt, Brands, Pastor Matt Brown is answering your questions about pregnancy, birth, and all that goes along those yep. things.
2: Yeah, based upon my zero experience of giving <laughs> birth to a child. Yeah, exactly. Let's remember that. No, nah, no, nah, we'll, be,
0: we'll be good. We're going to stick to tough questions about the Bible, and then most mm-hmm. specifically, this past weekend sermon, which... Was about love and Christmas. And we all know Christmas is a time for controversy. So it's a good one. <laughs> it was a good one. But before we jump into the show, we need to quickly remind everyone how much they love us. Right now, we got to hit you with not just one, but two five star reviews and incredible feedback. This first one comes from what? Feels like a living room discussion. Here it is. Even living across the world in China, hello, I brought you with me from SoCal, is refreshing to listen to and be challenged with the truth from your discussions. At times, I feel like I'm in the room with you all. Thank you all for the work you put into this podcast and live in the talk. Thanks again. Pastor Matt, Stephanie, Tim, and even you, PRD, you get teased too much. Sorry, bro. No, you were loved. Yeah, sometimes
2: I feel like I'm in the room too. You are here
0: right now. You're here right now. (laughs) Speaking of you, look at, we have another one. This one's amazing and insightful from De Brown Jesus. Whoa.
1: Yeah. I think they probably like perk up every time you've been saying this weekend, like, oh, yeah, you probably have some family members named Jesus. There's one. There we there go. Is. Yeah. So this says, Pastor Matt brings great answers to tough questions and really brings a balance to t- hot button theological issues where most people run to extremes. Love the show. Love you guys. Keep doing what you are doing. You guys are making an impact on people's lives and helping people such as myself find healing in my marriage, personal life, and even in ministering to others after listening to content from the debrief. Thank you so much. You guys keep doing a phenomenal job. We will.
0: Well, there you go. Speaking of doing a phenomenal job and content on the debrief, before we jump into some follow-up questions, we've got a, co- a hot topic from the news. A lot of people wrote in and asked, last week, Trump, uh, President Trump's latest move to identify uh, the city of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel has sparked some discussion amongst the Christian community about how we should or should not support the nation of Israel. So do you want
2: to jump into this yeah. So, you know, for those of us who are Christians in SoCal, we're, we're in the uh, the bosom of the Calvary Chapel movement. Right. Um, so if you grew up in Calvary Chapel, Israel plays a huge role um, in, in their faith in the way that they see Christianity. You know, at Sandals Church, we are very, very similar to Calvary Chapel, but we as sandals are not as uh, enamored with being Jewish as perhaps the Calvary Chapel movement is. And so we've talked about this in our study on the debrief and through the book of Acts that I think the uh, Council of Acts 15 is definitive. Mm -hmm. You do not have to be Jewish to follow Jesus. And I think that is abundantly clear. And that's why we don't celebrate uh, all of the Jewish holidays and stuff like that, because we gather together as the church and we celebrate Jesus and what he did, which ultimately fulfilled those Celebrations, And so we, we've talked a little bit about that recently. So I think that, um, you know, as Christians, it's important that we love the Jews and that we also love the Palestinians, that mm-hmm. we love both people groups okay. and that we want to reach both for Christ because currently most Jews have rejected Jesus and currently most Palestinians have rejected Jesus. And so we're going to get into that today as we talk about God's love that if you are separate or you have not experienced uh, repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, you are not currently experiencing the love of God in your life. And so Jesus Christ is the only way that you can experience that. So though we want to be on the side of both. Now, having said that um, Israel is the only nation in the Middle East where there's free speech, Mm -hmm. where there's freedom of election and where there's freedom of religion. I think all of those things are good things and we need to celebrate that. That is not uh, to my knowledge, uh, practiced in any other Middle Eastern country. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as as Americans, we need to be very, very careful in our support for uh, the Palestinians because they currently struggle with those things. For example, if you convert to Christianity in Gaza today, which is controlled, not by Israel at all, Israel pulled out of there, I believe in the mid nineties, it is disastrous. If you give your life to Christ, you will be killed. And it happens on a regular basis. And we hear nothing about it. If you give your life to Christ in Israel, there may be some familial consequences with your Jewish or Palestinian family or your Arab family, Um, but you're going to be able to live, be protected and worship God uh, in the nation of Israel. And it's important that we understand that, that an Israeli does not mean you're Jewish, does not mean you're a Jew. You can be Druze and be an Israeli. You can be Arab and be an Israeli. You can be Jewish and be an Israeli. Israel is the nation, that oversees, you know, it is, it is primarily a Jewish nation, but you don't have to be Jewish to be an Israeli citizen. And so we need, we need to understand that. And um, many of the Arabs in the, in the Middle East and, and around the borders of Israel, like the Jewish people have figured that out. They are safer in Israel than they are in Syria, than they have been. Um, oh man, what's the nation right next door? Not Egypt, Super but... Right here. The capital is Amman, Jordan, there you country go, country of Jordan. So, um, you know, safer than you have been there. Although there are, you know, Christians in Jordan. As, as, And just so you know, historically, there have been Christians and many, many other religions in the Middle East, and they mm-hmm. have been persecuted for a long time. And so they are more free. And that's why many, you know, many young Arab uh, Israelis now serve in the military. The, uh, the Bedouin, the wandering people have served since the inception of the country. Um, Druze serve now in the military. And so it is a multi-ethnic state. And that's what you need to understand. And you don't hear that in the news. You hear it as a Jewish Zionist state. And uh, so that may be its inception, but the reality is there are many, many different people groups Mm -hmm. and faiths there. Now, having said this, just politically speaking, Israel is the only nation on earth that's capital is not recognized. There is no other nation on earth that's capital is not recognized. That's ridiculous. And I believe, you know, we talk about racism in America. I believe it's racist against Jews globally. Globally, Jews are the most picked on uh, people in the world, hated in almost every place they've been persecuted. They were almost exterminated. If you know history multiple times, but recently during the Holocaust mm-hmm. and the world, including the United States of America did nothing about it. Yeah. Um, you know, Originally, I believe it was the intent of Adolf Hitler to expel the Jews when he couldn't find countries to take them. That's where the, the whole final solution comes from. Um, and many people believe that that was birthed out of Arab leadership in Palestine. That's, hmm. that's where it came from. And so, you know, this this concept of, look, you know, let's annihilate them. And that's a controversial statement, but I think that there's good evidence to suggest that the hatred uh, for Jewish people was shared by uh, Nazis and much of the leadership, uh, the Arab leadership in what was called Southern Syria. It wasn't called Palestine. Palestine is a recent name for a historical place um, that was called Southern Syria because they were ru- ruled by the Ottomans for about a thousand years. And so anyways... I, I think that it should be recognized every president, uh, Obama, uh, when he ran um, for the first time, said that it should be recognized. George Bush said the same thing. I believe Al Gore also said the same thing. I know that Bill Clinton did. So presidents have been saying this for a long time. You know, i it's ridiculous that we don't accept a nation's capital. I get that it's controversial. A great book to read if you want to understand the political history, modern history. Of Israel is reclaiming Israel's history. It's a great book. Hmm. I think it's about 180 pages, but it's not really? something that you're going to get in school. And so, before you, especially if you have Arab family members or you're Palestinian, you really, really need to read that book to make sure. Just like in American history, we don't get, you know, our history. Like I wasn't taught, you know, what what we did to you know Indians and all of those things. Yeah. Look, most of us are not taught the real story of Israeli's history. And let me tell you something. Israel has done some some bad things, mm-hmm. but they rectify it. They apologize for it. They try to set it right. That has not been true on the other side. It's so, not been true. So, <clears throat> you know, just like today, if, if you're an Israeli soldier and you are captured um, by militant groups from Palestine, you're probably dead. Mm-hmm. That is not the case. If you're captured on the Israeli side, you know, you're going to be treated. You're going to be given medical care. You know, they take them to hospitals and operate them, and they operate under the Geneva Convention and the the modern rules of law. The other side does not, and so we just need to understand that and and be careful that we need to be on the side of love and what's good and right. Usually, Israel's on that side, not always. No nation is perfect; they make mistakes. So, like I said, read that book. But I think as Christians, um, you know, we just got to know the our, our media hates Trump and everything that he does. Some, some things need to be hated. This is not one of those things. This is one of those things that should have been done a long time ago. Sure. I wish Obama would have done it. It mm-hmm. should have happened. And again, I believe the best thing for the Palestinian people, and my heart is for them, is that they would be a part of Israel. I think it's the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. Israel has demonstrated that they can protect Arabs. They can protect Muslims. They can protect your right to worship, to gather, um, to, to politically assemble, as long as you don't blow people up and kill people. And just so you know, they're crazy Jews too. They do that as well. And Israel deals with them as well. And For they,
0: some for some Christians, the actual political status of Israel is a pretty, it's like a make or break issue. It sounds like you're saying this is not one of
2: those. Yeah, it is not a part of my eschatology. That's a big word, which means last things. I believe that the most important thing for Jesus to return is that uh, Zechariah says that there will be a group of 10 worshipers in every tribe, tongue, and nation. Jesus says, go and preach to all these nations so I believe that there's going to be a representative from every culture, every people group on earth who worship the one true God. And when that happens, Christ will return. Um, so, um, I, you know, I don't believe that Israel has ever been about the land. It's been about the people. Okay? Okay. And that's, that's, that's what I believe. And I think that that's, you know, um, very, very important for us to remember. And so, you know, uh, the Jewish people have existed for 3,500 years with or without an actual nation. hmm so they're pretty amazing. You got, you got to think about that. They've outlasted the Babylonians, the Persians, the Egyptians, uh, the Romans, you know, I mean, they've outlasted everybody. They're still a people. They're, they're one of the oldest people groups, you know, in the world. And Palestinians are a people group that are about a hundred years old, maybe, maybe 150 years old. Um, so, you know, most of them would have identified as Ottoman. Mm-hmm. And before that, you know, maybe they would have identified as Arab. Mm-hmm. So um, but the rise of Arab nationalism is a relatively new thing. Mm-hmm. So that really, really is post-World War I and World War II. And, and with the, you know, all of a sudden the necessity of oil. You got to understand that. Why do we care so much about the Middle East? People don't know this, but uh, Britain, France, and Germany have no oil. Like if you study World War II, you know, people say, well, Adolf Hitler made a huge mistake because he opened up two fronts. Well, there's a reason he did that. He doesn't have the mm-hmm. precious uh, resources in order to continue his battle, and Russia does. Mm-hmm. So he went into Russia and opened up a second battlefront because he can't supply you know tanks, airplanes, all of those things run on oil. And uh, you know, British was the world's power, the great the, the largest nation on earth, I believe it's, yeah, I don't believe I know it is. It's the largest um, empire in, in the history of the world. But they didn't need oil. they had wind. So they, they, they conquered the world through shipping mm-hmm. and uh, you know a global economy. And so a lot of people don't realize that. But all of a sudden, when metal ships come in, you can't sail with a metal ship right. and uh, airplanes and those things. And so all of a sudden, guess what? This desert in the Middle East that's no one cared about for a long time is the most important land on earth. So except for Israel, they have no oil.
0: Well, there we go. There are some hot topics. And before we jump into debriefing, we're gonna do one of my favorite things, which is get some answers to questions. That answers your questions. Mm.
1: That's right. We've got some follow-up questions that have come in from some of our last couple episodes. This first one comes from Michaela, and she says, In Luke 16, Jesus tells the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. I've heard you mention in the podcast and in sermons about how the church needs rich people. But in this parable, the rich man ends up in hell, and the poor man, Lazarus, ends up in heaven. The parable doesn't give us much insight into the way that the rich man lived his life. It just puts emphasis on his wealth. How does this parable reconcile with rich Christians? Is the answer simply in where their heart lies? And is there anything we can learn about hell from this passage?
2: Yeah, wow. Okay. That was not one question. That was like yes, eight questions. Yeah, so a question. So let me run through it really quickly. First of all, it's a story mm-hmm. and we need to be careful when we listen to the stories that Jesus tells, he is speaking a story to, for, to a specific audience for a specific purpose. And so here's the reality in the ancient world as, as nowadays, you know, people who are rich feel more blessed, but God doesn't love rich people more and poor people less. And so that's why Jesus is flipping the understanding of the ancient world on its head. So he's saying, okay, Hey, look, you can be poor in this life and still loved deeply in eternal life. You're going to be blessed by God. The warning is against rich people getting too caught up in their things. And the reality is if you have been blessed financially, you're not praying, give, give me this day, my daily bread. You're mm-hmm. not praying that when you're poor, you are. You're dependent every single day. It's why God, Jesus said, um, blessed are the poor for they shall see God because they need God every single day. They need God for everything. They need God for daily Sustenance and wealthy people don't need that, and so that's why it's very very hard to follow God when you've been blessed monetarily. And um, you know, I was just having a conversation with uh, probably the wealthiest person in our church, and we were talking about this and and how hard it is to reach wealthy people for God. And um, you know, because most wealthy people do not tithe, and if you don't know what tithe, that's ten percent of their income. Mm-hmm. They really really struggle with that because it's a lot. But in reality, tithing is a lot harder for poor and middle-class income people because it represents such a significant chunk chunk of their available wealth. And so um, he and I were just talking about that. And it's it's just difficult. You know, wealthy people have more opportunities. They can be more distracted. They can entertain themselves. They just can do other things. And so church attendance is a struggle because you're always gone. You know, community groups are difficult because people don't relate to your position. Um, but one of the things that if you're a wealthy person that I would just challenge you on, it's important that you have poor and middle income people in your life, not just at work for you, but in your life. So you're Mm. grounded to real struggles and real life and you realize how blessed you really are and then use that leverage that God's given you for the kingdom. So you have to decide as a wealthy person, am I gonna build my kingdom or am I gonna build the world's kingdom? And, And if you're a wealthy person, you know Sandals Church, next year, our budget's gonna be $15 million. So if I was building a business and I brought in $15 million a year, Mm -hmm. I would be a very wealthy person. For sure. I am not a very wealthy person because it's not about me. It's about building the kingdom of God. It's about building the church. And so, and I don't expect every wealthy person uh, that oversees a a business like I do to maybe have the same perspective, but I would encourage you to pray about it. So... um, gosh, she had like eight questions. Is this a real picture of hell? People debate this or not. People debate whether this is a story or an actual thing because Jesus uses real names. And and here's the thing is, Jesus is speaking to his followers. And here's what he's saying. I don't believe hell is something that God uses to scare lost people. I think it's something that he uses to scare believers. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 that's who's warned of hell. People who are so sure they're going to heaven. Mm-hmm. That's who Jesus talks about. He says, it's better that you cut your hand off, you poke your eye out, and and live life missing an eye and a hand than than going hell he's he's preaching to religious people so we've got to be really really careful when we're so sure that we're getting in man we we got to really really wrestle with that and it's unfortunate that we use these scare tactics uh you know for lost people when we really need to preach that to ourselves so um gosh she had so many questions there I no think, I think
0: you covered it that's yeah. really good
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah so I I think it is it is a real picture of uh the intermediate intermediary state between the final judgment. So I, I think right now um, people are awaiting judgment either in the bosom of Abraham. So awaiting place with the righteous, Jesus calls it paradise um, in the presence of God, but it's not it's not the, the eternal heaven and the new earth yet, or you're awaiting judgment in prison. And mm-hmm. so just so you know, in the, it, it, even in the United States, prison used to be the place where you awaited sentencing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It was not the sentencing. Nowadays, it is the sentencing. So you used to sit in prison and then you awaited judgment and they beat you. They whipped you. uh, Mm -hmm. You, you, you had to do labor. You had, you know, you had to pay back your money or, or you were killed. So at some point in American history, simply waiting in incarceration became the actual punishment. That's not how it was in the ancient world. You awaited your sentence. And so Lazarus is awaiting his sentence, but he's not comforted. He's thirsty. It's hot. He's in torment. It's mm-hmm. not a place of pleasure. It's not like the life he was used to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're rich, bet on eternal life. Invest in eternal life. And um, that's what I would encourage you to do. But, I, you know, I don't think God uh, hates rich people. He warns them. Mm-hmm. You have more. Be mm-hmm. careful. Go back to the parable of the talents. God gives some 10, some five, and some two. And what he expects is the one who's been given much, you got to do a lot with it. The one who's been given a little, you got to do you know, as much as you can with that. And, and here's the thing is, if Lazarus was generous and built the kingdom, God's not gonna take away what he has in the next life. He's going to, If you listen to Jesus, he's gonna bless him with more. Mm-hmm. He says this, if you're faithful with what you have, God will bless you with more. And what does he do to the parable who does nothing? He buries it in the ground. He takes it from him and he gives it to the one who had much. So God's going to hold us all accountable for the life that we lived. And so I don't need to worry about being rich. Here's what I worry about, being faithful with what I've been given. Mm-hmm. With my talents, with my gifts, with my strengths, I want to be faithful with what I have. And I don't have to worry about everybody else. i got to worry about me. So great you know, for question. The, for the
0: remainder of the show, I think I'm going to take the tweet bell here and just reclassify it for each time. For, it's like our bosom count, using it that. Because so far you've said the word bosom two times, which I think is a record. Yeah, for well, the, for that the story, uh, you know,
2: we all... We all grew up in church, some of us with King James Version and I, it's bosom in the bosom Ooh. of Abraham, which means closely,
1: intimate. We're Stop. Stop. All right. We're just yeah. Yeah. You're just, I'm, just saying, I'm gonna slide this across the table. Yeah. You're you're cut off, buddy. All right. All right. So Ellen sent in a follow-up question because a few weeks on the show you talked about reverse maturity experienced by older people. She had never heard of this before, and she asked, As a fifty-five year old, how do I grow in spiritual maturity if I've already reached my peak?
2: Right. You gotta stay in relationship. So um it, just so you know, longevity, we live right next to one of the the best aging populations in the world. Loma Linda. A mm-hmm. lot of people don't realize that, but it's called a blue zone. So blue, cause blue hair, old people. Oh <laughs> yeah. So, so here, here's what they've studied that around the world, right? Diet and exercise. Those are important, but so is religious community, mm. religious community, because oftentimes when you have uh, family, they grow up, move out and go do their own thing. The great news about, uh, Adventism, mm-hmm. right? Is you're still connected. You're still together. You have this community, and that's what my hope and prayer is at Sandals Church that Tammy and I would be connected to this church our whole life, and you know even when I'm not the pastor anymore and somebody else is because I've aged out that the church still loves us, cares for us, um, you know, and 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 that gives you a reason, you know, a reason for living, a reason to go on, a reason to um, stay alive and and be productive, and um, so I forgot the question.
1: How do you continue to grow in spiritual maturity? Oh, yeah, stay, in, stay, in, about-
2: stay in relationship. Keep growing. Keep learning new things. Mm-hmm. You know, keep learning new things and and ask people. Am I getting weird? I I, I feel myself getting weirder. I've turned into my dad in so many ways. Right? Um, no comment. So yeah. So you you you've got to. And my dad is turning into his dad in so many ways. You've got to continue to push against that because when we say that, what we mean is we're we're, we're turning into the worst qualities of our parents. Mm-hmm. If there's good qualities, press into that, become like that, you know, mm-hmm. if, you know, become a model of that, you know, or you learn from their model and press into that. But most people as they age, they just stop caring. And so they're nasty, they're short. You know, my grandma would say things about people and I'd say, grandma, you can't talk that way. And she'd say, I could say whatever I want. I'm 90. I was like, "Man, I don't think that that's the attitude of Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Mm. So um, yeah, the first time I read about that was in a book called The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott, Scott Peck. Peck great book where he talks about the veneer of maturity fades as you age. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah. And that's why old people, you know, they tend to get so upset and so angry and they complain a lot and that's what kids do. <laughs> yeah,
0: there you go. So, All right. Well, we're going to jump in and start debriefing week two of more than a manger from your sermon this weekend as you talked about how God deals with loneliness. Uh, this weekend, you talked about how that God's love is conditional based on our acceptance of Jesus as our Savior. Not surprisingly, we've got quite a few questions coming in to clarify your statements about this. So how does the idea of God's love being conditional fit with Romans eight thirty eight, which says nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us
2: from God's love. Right. So um, the the question is actually answered in the end of that verse. Mm -hmm. So let me read it to you again. Um, But all these things we are overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved us. That's God for I'm convinced neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, Part of the problem is, is there was a time in, our, in, in, in history where God's love was not understood. So we understood God as just powerful, all knowing, almighty, but people didn't feel like they could befriend God or connect with God because God was almost emotionless, which that's not true. So we, we could do literally 10 podcasts on this issue. Mm-hmm. So understand this, you know, I would encourage you to stop back, pull over, listen to this podcast a couple of times, but understand this, God is a person. Now you're people, right? You're yes. both people, you're persons, and that's who God is. And that's the nature that we share of God. So God is real and God is personal. So the John defines God as love. So yes, God loves all people, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Mm-hmm. So the, the Bible teaches that love emanates from God, just as life emanates from God. Everything comes from God. So when we understand and we talk about God's love, we need to not use one word to summarize all that God is because right, we as persons, we have different kinds of love. So as a person, I have a love for my wife that is unique and it's just devoted to her. She's the only one who receives that love from me. So there's a unique love between God, the father, God, the son, and God, the spirit. And we see that love play out in the gospel of John. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. There's an internal relationship of love that has existed all eternity within God, a shared love. Jesus says things like this. I, I do nothing on my own. I only do what I see the father doing. So they're in this relationship where they're working back and forth and he's watching him and 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 he lives to, to love the father. He lives, and, and what does the father say? I love the son. I mean, they, they just love each other. So love emanates from God. So God's love is an eternal love within the persons of God. And I know that that's that's like a whole podcast. Mm -hmm. How how does God love? God can't be love if he's alone. So love is something that emanates from relationship. You have to love another person and it has to be reciprocal. Like for example, you can't say, oh my gosh, I totally love him or love her. Well, are you guys? Because we say that like, I remember when I was in India, We went to that, those persons, oh, I love Michael Jackson. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. You worship Michael Jackson, but you don't love, because in order for you to love him, Michael Jackson has to love you. It has to go Mm
3: -hmm.
2: back and forth. We can Mm -hmm. be infatuated with someone, but we cannot love them. Love is something that has to, to, it it takes two parties. It takes, and Mm -hmm. when I'm going to talk about this, true love is covenantal. I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. And that's why if you're living together, you can't say, that you truly love each other apart from a covenantal marriage.
3: Mm.
2: That's that's what's so important about marriage. If if you're if you call yourself a Christian and you're living together and you're not yet married, this is why you need to get married because God's love is covenantal. I'm going to do this and you're going to do this. We are committing to this together. So God is eternally committed to the Father, the Son, you know, and the Holy Spirit. They're committed to each other and and they love one another deeply. And their love is so deep, they're distinct, but. They're inseparable, uh, with the exception of whatever happened on the cross, and we'll learn about that, I guess, in heaven. So God's love—God's love—that's eternal—is mm. um, uh, within Himself. Next, God's love is pro- uh, providential. So John three sixteen: For God so loved the world. Yes, He does, and He blesses us with uh, air, sun, rain, food. Right. It doesn't matter whether you're good or evil. God blesses all of us with those things. He loves us. He has providential love. Mm-hmm. The earth, everything in it is created just for us. Of course, he loves the, cre- the world because he created it. It's his. And he said it was good and he loves it and he cares for it. But here's the thing about God's love. God's love is redemptive. He wants to redeem it. So it's interesting. God loves the, wor- the world, but the same guy who wrote John 3.16, what does he say in 1 John about us loving the world? Ooh. He says, we are not to. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing about God's love for the world. God's love for the world is redemptive. It transforms, it changes, it mm. renews. My love for the world, I participate in its sin. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like if, you're, if, you're, if I'm in love with the world, I'm in Vegas. I'm in strip clubs. I'm right. gambling. I'm partying, right? I'm, I'm living out the sinfulness of this earth. God's love for the world. God's not partying in Vegas. He's trying to redeem Vegas. He's trying to redeem us. He's trying to save us from what went wrong. So that that's that's God's love, God's providential love. He He loves his creation. And so here's what I said. God's love is conditional. Mm-hmm. Okay. A great book to read is, D, uh, I believe it's D.A. Carson. I can't remember who, who, I can't remember his name right now. It's skipping, but, but the book is The Difficult Doctrine of God's Love. And a lot of us think about, oh, it's, you know, love is so easy to understand. We'll we'll start dating somebody and tell me how easy it is or have kids and tell me how easy it is. Love is very difficult to understand, right? It Mm -hmm. it is. And people say, oh, we fell in love. And love is something that you continue to learn about and, and be awed by through your entire life. And so part of God's love, is eternal for himself. It is for the whole world. He He loves the whole world. He yearns for the world to be saved. He longs for them to, to give them a second chance. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to continue to be alone and to be isolated. And you don't have to suffer forever because of the consequences of your sin. But to experience God's love, it's conditional. So for example, you know, Romans 8, 28, or excuse me, Romans 8, 38, 38 that he said, nothing can separate us from the love of God, that's in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. God's love is made effective and real through Jesus. Like, for example, I was sharing with you that if, if you went broke for whatever reason, let's say you had a terrible car accident and you're paralyzed and you can no longer support mm-hmm. Lindy and the kids, yeah. you are completely unable to sustain your family anymore financially, no matter what you do. But I say, Justin, I've given you a million dollars
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I love you and I've given you a million dollars and I put the package outside your front porch. If you never go and get the package, if you never go and receive the gift, my love for you is ineffectual.
3: Mm.
2: And and, and because of that, it's not real. You have not experienced it. Love is something that's to be absorbed, experienced and felt. Mm. We absorb and experience and feel the love of God through Jesus and it cannot be felt any other way. Every single verse that you read about in the New Testament will talk about the love of God being experienced through Jesus, sustained through Jesus. It's all from Jesus. And so when God says he loved the world, what it means is he wishes us well. He he, he, he loves because that's who he is and he wants to give us a second chance. He cares about us. But we also have to understand that God loves justice.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So Micah six eight. what does the Lord require of thee? To love justice, to love mercy. And God is both. God both loves justice and he loves mercy. And so a lot of us don't want to talk about God loves what is good. And that is why he must be just. One of the greatest books to read about love is a book by my friend, Bob Goff, who wrote a book called Love Does. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if he if he talked about this in the book or this is a story he shared with me personally. I, I can't remember, but a lot of people don't know that Bob Goff served uh, as a representative to a country in Africa. And one of the problems that country had is witch doctors kill albino children. Hmm. So racism is is reversed in Africa. If you're born white, you're, you, you, you lack pigmentation, Witch doctors kill you, pursue you, hang your body parts around their necks as uh, a part of their power. Hmm. And so Bob Goff would tell these guys, I love you, but I'm telling you, if you don't change, if you continue to hunt children. Bob Goff would say this, I will kill you. I will put you to death. He literally had, he was a judge. He had the authority and he had the power. And he would tell these witch doctors, don't make me kill you. And, and people say, how is that loving? Because God doesn't just love you. He loves all of his children. Mm-hmm. And here's what sin does. Sin destroys his children. Sin wrecks his kids. God hates what sin has done. And so in order for God to heal us, he must kill sin. And so the problem is sin lives in us. And so God, God is going to judge us. So, so love justice and love mercy. So how does God do both? God has to judge because he loves justice. Okay? So he sends his son. He's loving and he, and he sends his son to the earth and he judges Jesus in our place.
3: Mm-hmm. But if
2: I reject The gracious, loving act of Jesus. If I reject that, then I have rejected God's love and it is not effectual in my life. It's actually irrelevant. And then the only thing I face is wrath, right? Wrath. And so a lot of parents struggle with this, you know, with children and and you don't have a kid yet, but your kids, you know, they feel your love or they feel your wrath. When do they feel your wrath?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: When they are continually disobedient and they don't, they do what they want and they don't care.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: That's what God, when God's children, when we continue to rebuff and reject his loving offering and his sacrifice, we, we, and and just, again, we've talked about this on the debrief. Everybody thinks that there's a difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. There's no difference. The only thing that changed is how we obey God. So look at the 10 commandments. I want to encourage you, look at the 10 commandments and write in and tell me which one of those you don't need to do anymore. Even the issue of the Sabbath, the day is not, particular, but you need to work six days and you need to rest and worship God one day. One day is to be devoted to the Lord. You still need to do that. You you still need to do that. It needs to happen. But right. The first commandment is you shall have no other gods, no other gods. And what are we supposed to do? It's interesting. We're to love him and obey him. Mm. What does Jesus say? The greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus is saying, love the one and only God with everything that you have. Jesus says it's still the same. Mm -hmm. It hasn't changed at all. So when you run through the 10 commandments, you come to Exodus chapter 20, I think it's verse six. Um, God says this, this is when the 10 commandments are released. Like he's gonna judge those who are not obedient to his commandments, but he shows loving kindness to thousands, to those who love him and keep his commandments. So the Christian is always called, we still are called to love God and keep his commandments. Let me read to you 1 John. And and I'm picking these verses intentionally because everybody's gonna go to John 3, 16, God loves the world. This is what John says, 1 John, same guy, wrote Mm -hmm. gospel of John, wrote 1 John. He says, whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we observe his commandments for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and listen to what John says, and his commandments aren't burdensome. Mm. Love God, love one another.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That is the evidence that the love of God that emanates from the Trinity has affected your life. How does it affect your life? By becoming overwhelmed. First of all, with your sin, with your sin, you, you have to recognize that you are a sinful person and you are separated from the love of God. How can you be united with that very real love only through the offer of Jesus Christ and to reject Jesus is to reject God's love.
3: Hmm.
2: It is. So it is conditional. And, and, and that doesn't say that, that God doesn't still care for you and, and love you and want you to come. I mean, matter of fact, Peter says this, Second um, Peter, the Lord is not slow about his promises. Some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Why has Jesus been gone so long? Because he's waiting. Mm-hmm. He wants as many people to be saved as possible. I believe that God does care for the sinner, and, and he wants them to repent and to, be, and to be saved. But I believe God has a unique love for his children, just like we do. Like, like I wish all children well. I do, I care for them. I want, I want children to be loved and cared for. Um, I, I, I wish them well. I want them to be educated. I want them to be healthy, but I love my kids in a very special way, in a very, very deep way that's very, very real. And I don't think that that's wrong. I think that I am to love and care for all children, but I am to love my children in a very, very special way. And anybody who says they love all kids the same, okay, well then I'll send you the bill for my college. (laughs) I'll send you, you tell me where to send the bill, I'll send the bill you can pay for my kids. Right, we are called to take care of our kids. Like you love his kids. I'm telling you, when that baby pops out, you're gonna love that baby in a way that you didn't even know was possible because he or she is yours.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. When we repent of our sins and place place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are no longer enemies of God, but we are dearly beloved children. And what happens? We are born again, not of flesh and blood, not by human passion or plan, but by the spirit of God. Now all of a sudden, God loves us no matter what. And so the problem is we tell sinners what we should be telling Christians. Mm-hmm. God loves Christians no matter what. His love is effectual because the blood of Jesus Christ covers our sin. And God, who is perfectly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can now engage in love perfectly with us because of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think when you, when you got married, I think your dad said to me, don't be nervous, this is good. <laughs> I think, I think st- and I hear this a lot. He said, Tyler is perfect for Stephanie. We, we say this at weddings. They're perfect for each other. There's something even amongst non-Christians and not that your dad's a non-Christian, but I hear this even at weddings. There's something in us that says love needs to be perfect.
3: Hmm.
2: Well, Jesus makes us perfect for God. God can only fully love a perfect object. So how does he make us perfectly lovable? So here's the problem. None of us feel worthy of love. Well, part of that's true. Mm-hmm. There's a reason Adam and Eve, cover themselves, sin affected us and made us feel unworthy of love. Because instantaneously we were separate from the perfect and holy God who can no longer love us in the way that we were meant to be loved because of sin. Sin separates, it does. That's why God hates adultery, right? As much as you love Tyler, if Tyler commits adultery, it's going to separate your love. Now there may be healing, there may be reconciliation, it's gonna suck, but man, you can be married and be miles apart. Mm -hmm. That's why God hates adultery. That's why God says, love your wife, don't love on another. Look at the commandments. What are the commandments? The commandments are sins against each other.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Don't kill, that's good. (laughs) Don't steal, don't lie about each other. Don't focus on what everybody else has and want it. Right, Don't, don't commit adultery. Man, love God and love each other. Those are the commandments, it's very, very simple. So. You know, and I'm summarizing this. And, and, and if you're a theologian, I'm, I'm intentionally not using theological terms because I think that those are confusing. But but understand this. When I say God's love is conditional, all relationships have conditions. They do. I, I said one time to a person, I will love you no matter what. Boy, do I regret that. Hmm. Because there are things that people can do to you. They can so grieve you. They can so wound you. They can so hurt you. I've even seen parents go through this with children. Parents have become or children have become so sinful, so selfish, so evil. I've been to funerals where parents are grateful that their kid is dead. Hmm. Because because the child has so exhausted them. Listen to me, that's why God's so angry. Hmm. God's wrath is the result of the rejection of his love. So what does what does the first commandment say? I am a jealous God. You shall worship no one else but me. And so he woos us. So, so, so in a way, in a way, God loves sinners, but there is, there, is, is, there is an effective and perfect way that God loves Christians and it's different. It's different. So Paul says this, as far as it depends upon you be at peace of all people, the same guy says that we should do good to all. Christians are to be good to everyone because everyone is created in the image of God and then he says these words, and a lot of Christians don't pay attention to this, especially to those of the family of faith. Yeah, Listen to me. If you're a Christian, you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ forever. I am related to you forever in God. And I am to love you, care for you and serve you. I am like this week, you know, you know um, I had to do a funeral and it was extraordinary death. You guys were there. It was terrible. 20 year old who lost their life in, in, um, Iraq serving our country, and I did that because man, these people go to our church,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and, and the death was extraordinary, and I, I got to move heaven and earth, you know metaphorically, to be there so that I could be there, because we care about it. we care about one another, we love one another, each other matters to us, and so we need to, to live that out. so god's love is, is conditional, and all relationships have conditions. And so when you look, how does God engage in love with his people, it is always covenantal with Abraham, with Moses, and for us Christians, it's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. And so, you know, there's all kinds of arguments and all kinds of of, of you know, divisions in the church, uh, not just over Israel, Israel, but over the nature of God and and how we're saved. But the bottom line is everyone has to acknowledge that people are responsible to say yes to Jesus you're responsible mm-hmm. and you will be held accountable and um and i and i, I believe that sinners have a real choice to make they mm-hmm. can they can choose god uh, and they can choose to reject god i believe that i believe the gospel is real it's a real offer mm-hmm. to enemies and you need to understand that if we reject jesus we are enemies of god you know uh, on monday uh, i did that funeral of um you know the 20 year old who gave his life yeah. in defense of our country Imagine if I stood up there and said, this means nothing to me and this is ridiculous. Can you imagine if I said that? Here I am with a mother sitting five feet in front of me, grieving the loss of a 20 year old son who died for us. Can you imagine if I said that's ridiculous? If I, if I didn't consider that praiseworthy, if I didn't consider that honorable. And yet here's the, here's the reason that we need to understand that God's love is conditional because when we say God just loves everybody, what we're really doing is we're diminishing the work of the cross.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: God loved everybody so much that he sent his one and only son. The father's first love is his son. We he he loves the son more than us and he he cared for he cared for him so much that he sent him to die for us. And and this love needs to do something to us. It needs to change us. And so um You know, just, just to know, I know some of you guys, I'm just, I was just trying to push on a button. I think we've got made God so loving. I never do a funeral where anybody's worried about hell. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Nobody's worried about hell anymore. And we should be, we should be concerned. Everybody thinks they're going to heaven because God is this loving grandpa. And he just wants everybody to have a good time. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to tell you, you don't know God. Yes. God loves the world because that's who God is. God is loving. Mm -hmm. but love, God's love demands perfection. God's holiness demands perfection. And so how can we be in a loving relationship with God? It's only through Jesus Christ. It is only through him, which comes by grace. And so the verse was, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God be with you. And so the point I was trying to make is the love of God is only with us. It's only with us when we're with Jesus. And so a couple weeks ago, you did the whole John 15 passage. Mm-hmm. That whole passage is about remaining in God yeah. and he will remain with us. We have to make the decision to be with God. And the commandment is not burdensome because what do we discover when we discover Christ? That God deeply loves us. That, that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And we experienced the love of God through the death of Jesus. Um, and so the death of Jesus makes the love of God experiential. And listen to me, if you can't experience love, then it's not real in your life. Like a lot of parents or a lot of kids will say this, well, I know my dad loved me, but I never felt it. I never experienced it. And what they're really wrestling with is, did my dad love me? Because we must, ex- we must experience mm-hmm. and absorb love for it to be real. How, so how does it help people to say, well, God loves you? Well, what that really does is it puts the attention and focus on them rather than God. Mm-hmm. And what John 3.16 really needs to do is put the attention and focus on God and Jesus. And so let's even read John 3.16 real quickly um, because a lot of people love to pick and choose which verses they want to share. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life.
0: Sounds good. Let's put it on a poster.
2: Yep. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And so people love those two verses. Nobody ever quotes the next verse. He who believes in him is not judged but he who does not believe in him has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. You, so, so we want to run around and say, God, God already got, God. I mean, so God's love is not effective in their life. They're judged. They stand condemned forever. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and again, so God is love. The Bible says he takes no pleasure in the judgment of the wicked. God doesn't get excited about that. He, he doesn't want them to, uh, to, he wants them to repent he wants them to turn he wants them to live because he is loving he is a loving god but god's real love to experience love and and, and if i could go back and say it again to experience the real love of god that he has for you there are conditions mm. it is not unconditional mm-hmm. it is conditioned on the fact that you repent of your sins and you believe in the lord jesus christ that is how you experience the love of god to to reject that is to reject the love of God. Mm-hmm. There is one way that we can experience that, and I don't know why that's so hard for Christians. But so here's, let's back it up. This is why all of our DB listeners, you don't share Jesus, you don't talk about Jesus, because you just assume God loves everybody, and there's nothing we really need to do. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you something. We 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 owe it to our friends and our family members to share Jesus. This is how this is how you can experience God. This is how you can connect with God. This is why Jesus' name means Emmanuel. He's with us. He's with us. And so this is how we experience the love of God. We experience it through the work and person of Jesus. Have you ever
0: seen the YouTube video of, uh, was it the pen and Teller, the magician guy? Oh, yeah. Uh, the one who's, a, he's an atheist. And he talks about how there was a Christian trying to share yeah. about Jesus with him. And he's like, I, he's like, you know, we always say we get annoyed with these people for trying to tell us the good news about Jesus. He's like, What I wanna know is how come more Christians don't do this? Mm -hmm. like- If you believe that this is the only
1: way to live, like have life, (laughs) then why would you not tell people? It's cool to not tell people. Sounds like everybody else hates me. And here's the
2: reality. We so focus on the love of God, we really don't believe. Hmm. we've, We've become so enamored with the love of God that we've forgotten the fear of God. We have forgotten the justice of God. We have forgotten the holiness of God. And all of those things are true. God is not just perfected love. He has perfected holiness. He has perfected goodness. He has perfected power. He has perfected uh, knowledge. He is perfect in every way. And so how on earth do we connect relationally with a God like that? (laughs) Jesus, Mm -hmm. that's it. And so, um, you know, um, Psalms 103 11 is another great verse for as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his steadfast love towards those who fear and obey him. So God's love, even when, even these scriptures where we, people like to quote about the unconditional love of God. Like I actually, uh, I picked up Crazy Love yesterday. I read like tons of books to make sure that I was okay today. Cause you know, uh, the book Crazy Love on the back, it says God's love is unconditional. And I read all through the book and he doesn't ever address it. Yeah. But uh, that book really is not a book about the unconditional nature of God. It's really about our response to the amazing love of Jesus Christ and, and how we don't, respond and and live towards that. So Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate, um, subtitle in the back description. Um, but yeah, you know, God's love is conditioned upon the covenant that you have with Jesus Christ. And, and we have to understand that. And the church, just so you know, is moving further and further away from this. And this is why we think, well, I can, I can marry whoever I want and do whatever I want because God loves me. I, I've, I can't tell you how many times in, in counseling I've had people tell me, God's, God has to forgive me because he loves me. And I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa. You can't have a doctrine of God's love where it puts you on equal footing with God. Mm-hmm. You can't. You, you must constantly understand that God is, as far as the heavens are above you, so God is above you. and And literally... This is what we've done as human beings. We have so become so enamored with the nature of God's love that what we've really done is we've raised our nature Mm -hmm. and we've said, God has to love me Mm -hmm. because that's who he is. And God becomes a prisoner to his love. And listen to me, God is just, God is good. And he is going to judge us. Read the Bible, read the Bible. We experience God's love. And this is why I get frustrated when we, you know, we do the golf clap every week at church people don't really realize what they've got in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't realize what Jesus Christ has done for them. And God's love does not motivate them. And um, what, what you need to do, instead of being critical of me saying, God doesn't love everybody, you need to be overwhelmed with the fact that God loves you through Jesus. And you need to be mm-hmm. thankful for that. And you need to fall on your face and just say, God, I am so sorry for not adequately appreciating what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. Yeah, Because... Um, we were his enemies, but through Jesus, we can become sons.
0: Let me ask you a really quick clarifying question here about God's love versus what we call salvation as Christians. Jennifer wrote in says, I believe God loves everyone and every person, even if someone chooses not to believe. But the thing that is conditional is our salvation. There's several verses that say God loved us even when we were sinners before we believed. Is that not unconditional love?
2: Yeah. So she, she's right. She, what she's doing is the, the problem is again, she, she's divided it perfectly she, that God loves everyone, but we experience salvation only through Jesus. But what is the experience of salvation? It is the experience of God's love. It is the real experience of God's love. And so, um, if, if you say God loves me apart from Jesus, it is, it's actual, but it's not experiential. And, and let me just ask you again, Jennifer, what is the point of non-experiential love? It's, 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 it's ridiculous, you know? I mean, it's like, if my wife says, well, I don't feel like you love me. And I say, of course I love you. And I, I dismiss her. Of course I love you. That's ridiculous. You're stupid. That's silly. Well, what she's saying is, you're saying in concept, you love me, but I'm not experiencing that love. And again, so why does how we treat e- each other matter? How, how, how we love one, why does it matter? Because love must be experienced. It must be lived out. Love is transformative. It is. It changes us. It does radical things to us. It, it, it moves us in, in directions. And so, when God's love becomes real in your life, you wish your enemy well, and that's what it means. Jesus means love your enemy. You wish them well. You don't. You don't want to kill them. You want them to lay down their weapons so that they can go about their life and raise their families. But but if you have to fight, you're going to fight. And that's ultimately what judgment is. Judgment is God saying, fine, live forever without me. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, that is horrendous. But it's not just that, because there are sins on this earth that must be judged. Mm-hmm. Murderers, like, right, those that have dabbled in, in demonic arts and these, the people that have done great harm. Like if, if, if God does not judge Hitler in a unique way, then God is not love.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Bob Goff is a loving judge. And so he threatens the witch doctor with real death. I will kill you if you don't stop. This is what God is saying. I will destroy you. Jesus says, don't fear the ones who can kill just the body. Feel the one who can kill both the body and the soul. That's God. And we need to fear him. And God is saying, look, I love you, I want the best for you, but the only way you're going to experience my very real love is through Jesus. And so if you want my love in your life, then you have to have Jesus in, in your life. And if you reject Jesus, then you reject my love. And so therefore it's not real in your life. Mm-hmm. It's not real. It, it, it doesn't matter if God is love, if you can't experience it, if you're disconnected from it. God's love is only real in Jesus. And so um, other, otherwise it's just conceptual. It's not actual. So, um, and, and that's why a lot of people walk away from the church. They walk away the ch- from the church because they never experience God's love. Mm-hmm. And that's tragic. And that's tragic. Love must be real. It can't just, you can't just say, of course, I love you. Go to your room. You have to actually be loving. Yeah. And so God is love and he loves us. So how did he actually love us? By sending his son, Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross. And Jesus promises, right? To love us and to be with us. And he tells us to love one another as I have loved you. Love must be real. It must be experienced. And um, and again, this is why people, man, here's why people don't go to small group. They don't feel the love. Mm. That's why people check out of your small group. That's why people leave churches. They don't feel the love. It's not a loving place. Love must be real. It can't just be an idea. And so when we run around telling everybody, of course, God loves, it's simply an idea. We need to teach people how they can experience the real love of God, which yeah. is conditional upon obedience, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And John tells us his commandments are not hard. And he tells us later, there's only one commandment, which is really to love God and one another. Or he actually says, believe in Jesus Christ and love one another. That, that's how he splices it. So because we, we love God by believing in Jesus, we love God by loving his son. So, which again, right? John 1.1. in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. How do we love God? We love Jesus. Mm-hmm. How do we serve God? We serve Jesus. How do we serve Jesus? We serve his church. How do we serve his church? We love one another, right? It all, it's all connected. So um, hang in there with me guys. Trust me, I, I, read this, I read this book called the Bible every day. Every day I'm reading and, and the doctrine of God is difficult. It's not as simple. Nothing about God is easy. The only thing that's easy is understanding this. You feel separated from God's love because you are apart from Christ. So, um, and even, even if we're, we're in Christ, we can grieve the relationship through sin. Just like if you're married, you can grieve the relationship. It doesn't change the fact that you're married, but it changes the emotional connection. And so that's why we, even as Christians, we continue to confess, mm-hmm. not to be forgiven and to be saved, but to be in an intimate, real relationship because sin always separates. Hmm. It does. It always separates us. It separates us from who God's called us to be. It separates us from one another and it separates us from a real relationship with God. And so again, take the workshops. Christianity is a relational movement. That's Hmm. what it is. It's not a religion. It's a relational movement. And look around. We are relationally broken. Hmm. All right.
1: So on the topic of being in relationship, this whole conversation came out of your sermon this weekend, which is about loneliness. And you made the premise that you know, God is relational and he is, has come to be with us. So Danielle asks, I know God is always with me and that his spirit lives inside of me, but I've been confused about Matthew eighteen twenty, where Jesus says, when two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Is God with two or more people gathered in his name in a different way than he's with me when I'm alone?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's, here's the beautiful thing about love we learn about love through relationships. So I I thought I was loving person. Then I got married and I learned, I knew nothing about love, nothing. So my wife has taught me things about love. I have experienced love with my wife in ways that I never imagined. Then we had kids. Every single one of my kids brings out a dynamic nature of love. I'm a pastor. I've learned things about love um, by pastoring, by being with. So. Uh, there's a great book by C.S. Lewis called The Four Loves, mm-hmm. and he talks about how relationships are necessary for love to be experienced, and how when one of his friends died,
3: mm-hmm.
2: a part of the love was no longer available, and that's what happens when when we when we lose a spouse. Not only do they die, but there's a part of the love that's in us that dies because we can no longer experience that love while they're gone, and that's why we weep, and that's why we're broken because we're we're separated and. You know, when my wife is with her sister, um, it brings out things in her that I never see.
3: Hmm.
2: Only her sister can bring out. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And there's a part of my wife that I just love to watch when she's with her sister, you know, because they have the shared memories. They have the shared memories that we don't have of childhood. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. songs that mean things. And there's a part of my wife that I get to know only when she's with her sister. Listen to me, there's parts of God that you're only going to get to know when you're with him his children. There's something special, right? When the family's together, there's a dynamic that only occurs when everyone's at the table. And that's what Jesus means. When two or three are gathered, when you guys gather together in my name, the nuances of each believer are gonna bring out flavors of God that you never knew existed.
3: Hmm.
2: And that's what's happening. You know, people come to church and um, they say, oh, I just love your teaching. What, what What they're saying is, Man, you're, you're making food taste in a way that I, ne- I never knew it could taste. God's using me to speak to them and he's using my personality and my spiritual giftedness that he's placed in me to teach them about who God is. That's what's happening. Um, and so hopefully that's what's happening today is your are understanding that that love has to be relational. So to experience the love of God, you must be in relationship with God. You, you, you can't say God loves me and, and be a part from relationship, it doesn't work that way. Love only exists, real love, supernatural love only exists in relationship. Um, infatuation, lust, all of those things. Um, and, and I believe exists in, you know, in the, um, the context of free will. You know, God does not force himself as a lover on us. We have a word for that
3: mm-hmm. in
2: English, it's called rape. Mm-hmm. God woos, draws, yearns, longs for us, right? Um, and so that, that's if, if if you're wondering why it's so hard to connect with God, part of who God is, right? Because He wants you to love Him, is He has to hold back because who He is is overwhelming. It's kind of like when a, a a woman's too beautiful, like every guy's in love. It's like you dude, you're not in love. She's just is amazingly beautiful. Hmm. It it incapacitates men's ability to truly love. It's like you know Helen of Troy launched a thousand ships. She made men stupid. That's how beautiful. So. God withholds his beauty. I mean, think about Jesus. The, Isaiah said, he's not gonna be attractive. He's not, you are not gonna be drawn to his face. Mm.
3: You're
2: gonna be drawn to his person. Let's talk about that really quick. Before we close, I just
0: have been wondering, how would you kind of connect a lot of this stuff that we've just been talking about to this concept of Christmas, to the idea of Jesus coming as a young boy and you know, we're less than two weeks away for Christmas. What is, what is all of that? How does that connect back for us?
2: Yeah, so I would say this. God is love. And um, you, know, um, you know, Stephanie, how long have you been married?
1: Uh, six, seven months.
2: So, like so here, here's the ideal way. Stephanie and Tyler get married and they love one another so much. And that love for each other is so special and so powerful that it wants to be shared. So how do you share that? You have a child. And, that, and that's the way it's supposed to work in a healthy environment. Now, many of us, we, we did not grow up in that environment, but that's mm-hmm. what it's supposed to be. So Stephanie and Tyler love one another so much, right? That out of that love comes this child and their love will grow. It, it will grow. And so that's why everybody who says, oh, I just, I'm getting disconnected from sandals because it's getting too big. Their love is growing cold. Hmm.
3: Hmm.
2: Love grows. You know, you don't need a bigger heart. You need to confess your sin. Hmm. That, that's, that's, that's the reality. And so they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna love this child. And, and here's the thing is, Stephanie and Tyler's love for each other is gonna grow
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: as they do the hard work of raising this child. <laughs> so here, here's the thing is, is God gets to love within himself in a special unique way by loving his creation. There's an experience of God. He's a person and his love gets to operate and interact with us in a way that somehow enhances the love that was already perfected. God, the father got this son, man, it, it's, it's, it's a dynamic thing. Love can be perfect and yet grow. That's the thing that's, that's amazing. And that's why Paul says love never fails. It's, it, love is eternal. Like it just, it just keeps going and growing and can somehow be perfect and yet expand. And, and that's the thing about love that's just, just amazing. And so here's, here's the thing. There was so much love within who God is that when John tries to tell us who God is, he just uses the, the word love. God is love. And so there's so much love in there that it emanates that he wanted to share that love and expand that love. He created mankind, but to remain to remain in covenantal love, which is what perfect love is, covenantal love. What does Jesus say? I do what the father tells me to do. Mm. People don't realize this on the cross. When Jesus says, not my will, but your will be done. What he's saying is, I love you.
3: Mm.
2: I love you. And, and, and let me tell you something. Um, if your marriage is struggling, if you can both say, not my will, but your will be done. And you begin to submit to one another, which by the way is what the Bible says, perfects marriage. Yeah. You're going to experience covenantal love, real love. And it's a powerful love. Um, love does not demand its own way. Jesus says, not my will be done, but your will be done. And he does it. And so we're separated from God's love. We're separated from God's love. We are the enemies of God. We are rebels. We are rebels. Listen to me. We killed his prophets. We've disobeyed his laws. We, he sent his son in and he was murdered. His name is profaned. Every single day you hear Jesus' name in vain, right? Mm-hmm. You, 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 you can say a homosexual slur and lose your job. You can take the name of Jesus in vain anytime you want. You will never lose your job. You, nothing, nothing bad will happen to you whatsoever, right? I mean, one of the do not take the Lord's name in vain. We misuse the name of the Lord every single day through our actions and through our words. So we're separate from the love of God. But here's the amazing thing: there's so much love within God that He sent His own Son to give us a second chance at love, a second chance at love, and with the hope that we could be together with Him forever. But we are currently separated from the, the, effect, the effectual nature of God's love. And that's the beauty of Christmas is we have a second chance to experience God's love. And we, listen to me as Christians, we're mandated to share God's love with people. And the way we share God's love is by sharing Jesus, by loving them like Jesus loved us, by praying for them like Jesus prayed for us, and by ministering to them like Jesus ministered to us. That's how we share Christ. But at the end of the day, we have to use words. And the words is the word. We have to tell people about Jesus. The reason I'm doing this, the reason I'm here, the reason I'm care for you is God's love has so dramatically changed my life and touched me that I would be evil to not share it with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I am, I am compelled. And so uh, let me close uh, with what Paul says. He says, but in all these things, we are over conquerors in him who loved us for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. This is in Romans 8, the end. will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now listen to his heartbreak, Romans 9.1. I am telling the truth in Christ and I'm not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. Why? For I could wish that I myself would be accursed and separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belong the adoption as sons and the glory of the covenants, of the giving of the law and the temple service and promises who are the fathers from whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is overall God blessed forever. Amen. Here's what Paul's saying. I am so broken because the very people that were chosen by God have rejected God's love in Christ.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And he he is so grieved by this that he says, think about this. I wish I myself could be accursed so that my kinsmen, my people would know Mm
3: -hmm.
2: about the love of God that is only found in Jesus, only found in him. And um, that's how we experience the love of God is through Jesus. And so um, part of God's love is unconditional because God's love is without limit within himself. God loves us every single day by giving us the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the water, the air we breathe, the food we eat. God loves us through providential love He cares for us as a loving father or mother does. But if we want to have a relational love with him, if we want to experience relational love, which is the only way love can be experienced is in relationship. We can only do that through Jesus. And that's the condition Mm -hmm. to experiencing God's supreme love. Um, So uh, I wish we had more words in the English language for love. That might be helpful, but we don't. We have one word and we say things like, I love you and I love pizza. And that makes... You know, and and think about how confusing people are with love. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. people say, I will love you forever. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how many weddings I've been a part of where two individuals pledged their love to one another forever and it didn't last. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what it tells you is they know nothing of love Mm -hmm. because true love is covenantal. Yeah. It says, I am going to do this. And we used to say, until death do we part. And, um, you know, it's, it's powerful. And again, marriage is the only ceremony left on earth where we, Pledge covenants in the name of love. And that's why it's so important. It's so important. So,
0: well, there's a lot of good stuff in here. If you want to um, catch the sermon, if you just listen to the show but have not yet heard that actual message, you can find all that as well as links to the three books Pastor Matt mentioned, some of the verses and stuff mm-hmm. online at www.debrief.show. Ninety-two. Those are the show notes and there's a lot of stuff up there for you guys.
1: That's right. You can also follow us at Debrief Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter where we'll put up some of those quotes from the show, links to some videos from this so you can share with your friends. That way you can get the word out about the debrief and share what you've heard today.
0: Lastly, we are super grateful for those of you guys who are supporting Sandals Church through the debrief here. If you wanna do that financially and help us, especially as we close the end of the year, we're trying to raise an additional $500,000 to help us launch the first three of our next Almost 500 Sandals Church locations. Uh, you can do that by simply texting the two words. Pastor Matt, you know the words. Mm-hmm. Give debrief. Yes. To 951. Let's see if Stephanie can do it. 951.
1: hundred forty one twenty. 4120. And I did not there look at my you know notes. You know what we
2: forgot to talk about today? We'll do it next week's episode the Lord's Prayer. I totally forgot that. I promised the church in one of the services we would, because he's right. changing that.
0: Okay, well, he did Uh, not break his promise intentionally. We will come back at you next week with the Lord's Prayer.
1: That's right. And if you've got questions on that from what you've heard in that message, you can always send us questions at our website at www.debrief.show or by sending us a message on Facebook. We would love to get your questions here on the show. We'll get to some of these questions on loneliness that we did not get to cover this week. Do not fear, friends.
0: We'll see you in the future, starting with episode 93.
2: Whoa.